0: I really enjoy preaching in series, and, and we try to, to vary the basis for our different message series throughout the year. We just finished a series that, that I would say was pretty topical. Um, this summer we're going to actually work through two different series uh, that will come from a specific book of the Bible. We're going to spend some time in the book of Daniel, um, and, and also later on in the prophets. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that. It's something, something we don't do all the time. But today we're going to start a four-part series based around, essentially, one word. And that one word is pray. We're going to talk about how it is that we we pray with and for things like power, how, how we pray with passion, how we pray in a way that would grow our relationship with God through that prayer. Now, honesty time, how many of us today would have to admit I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, but I probably don't pray as much as I should. I think most people would have to say, like, that's probably a valid you know, truth that I could tell. But why is it? If we can say, I understand the power of prayer, I absolutely believe that God is listening, and that God responds, why don't we function like we believe that? There are, there are probably countless reasons why. Some people honestly don't know how to pray. We lack confidence and wonder and worry if we're doing it right. Some people, some of you, sometimes me, sometimes we get bored while we're praying. I was at a week of camp one time, and and the dean had this really, really, what I thought was a great idea. He wanted to do 24 hours of prayer, where for 24 hours, somebody on that campsite, somebody where we were in that camp, a staff member, a student, whoever, was praying at every moment for 24 hours. It was kind of this cool idea. And so they set up a schedule, and everybody took a half an hour or an hour. Um, And of course, the staff took the night time so that the students weren't up in the middle of the night. And so I did what I was supposed to do. I took my slot in the middle of the night. I don't don't know what time it was. I can't remember. I set my phone alarm, and I got up, and I went to the, the location where you're supposed to go pray. They had this room set up, except that they had the room set up with the lights dimmed and there were like some fake candles lit, and there was music playing, and it was you know somewhere in the 2 a.m. range, and I don't care what kind of prayer you are, if you get up to go sit and pray for 30 minutes an hour at 2 a.m., and that's the, the setting, I'll be honest with you, it was a struggle for me to stay awake. And I remember being upset with myself, like seriously, you can't even pray for 30 minutes without getting distracted, without getting sleepy. The truth is that, that can be a struggle for some of us even when it's not the middle of the night. For others, focus can be the issue. You want to be intentional about prayer, but you get distracted easily. Your mind wanders. This one's a, an issue for me for sure. I have, I have trouble shutting other things down uh, to focus on prayer. There, there are other things going on and I can't block those out all the time. I mean, seriously, sometimes my mind is like I've heard uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle describe, Dear God, I'm praying for a miracle. Hmm, miracle whip. A sandwich does sound pretty good right now with a nice layer of Miracle Whip spread with a butter knife. That butter knife is shiny. How did that get so clean? And suddenly I'm not really praying anymore. I'm hungry. Sometimes that's how it happens. Some people don't get into praying so much because at some point they've been stuck in a prayer circle where they had to hold hands with people that they didn't know, and it just seemed weird, or or the prayer time seemed forced, and and it colored their opinion of prayer. The person on your left has cold hands and the one on the right feels like you're holding a dead fish because they barely hold on. And as soon as you grasp hands with someone in a prayer circle, your nose immediately begins to itch. Because that's how it works. And you either have to let go or take their hand with you to scratch your nose. One or the other. And either way, it's awkward. Or honestly, here's one maybe you've experienced. I know that I have. Is when we get intimidated by a good prayer. There are people that just always seem to know what to say in prayer. Like someone busts out full scripture verses from memory in their prayers. They seem to know all the right words to say. Sometimes words we would never say in normal conversation, but they, they lay them perfectly in the context of a prayer, and they sound like church words, so they must be doing it right. There are people who usually unintentionally can be intimidating with the way that they pray. It's, it's like this video, and this is, this is one of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to show you. Now, that takes it to a a, a crazy level, but but we can be intimidated by other people who just seem so confident praying, and and then if we are in a situation where we have to pray out loud, we're like, I don't don't really know what what to say. Whatever it is for you and whatever it is for me that, that affects our desire to pray or our willingness to pray or our ability to pray or our confidence in our prayers, what we want to do over these next four weeks is let God teach us and move us to pray with power and with passion. And so I want to start today by pointing out two big prayer mistakes that we tend to make. We we tend to make these. Number one is that that we we pray too small. We pray for such little things. And then secondly, we, we, we pray in too general of a way. We pray for things that aren't small, and we pray for things that aren't specific, and I wonder if sometimes God's not a little bit frustrated with the lack of faith that some of us show in the things that we ask for in prayer. And I'm guilty of this because we'll pray for a good day, we'll pray for good weather, we'll pray for stuff like that, and I wonder if God isn't going, listen, have you looked at your life? Have you seen how blessed you are? But I guess if you just want to pray for blessing, that's fine, go for it, but give me a challenge. Give me a challenge. Honestly, we we often ask in prayer for things that God's already promised, and I wonder sometimes if it's not like God's saying, ask bigger. God said, with me all things are possible, but so often when God comes through with the small things we ask for, it's not really much of an opportunity for God to display His power or for Him to receive much glory for what He's done in our lives because the things that we've asked for are so small. Sometimes I wonder if God would say, I could do so much more if you would just have the faith to ask for it. And so if the mistakes are are praying prayers that are too small and too general, that means that what we should be doing is praying prayers that are big and specific. Listen, general prayers do not move God to specific actions. And so what we need to be willing to do is to ask God for specific things, to make specific requests of Him, and to have the faith to believe that He can do those things that we ask for. Otherwise, Uh, The things that would otherwise be impossible to ever see. And then we all of a sudden see those things happen because God does answer prayers. And there's no one that could deny that it must be by the hand of God because it would have taken God to pull something like that off. And when we just ask that God give us a a beautiful day, yeah, we can say, well, look what God did for us. But, But there's nothing, there's no wow there. We have to be willing to pray big, faith-filled, specific, passionate prayers. That's why people that have stories of, of people who were, who were healed of, of some terminal disease or who, who came back from a, a, an impossibly deep addiction, and they point to the people who prayed for them, that's when we go, man, God must have been in that. But when it's sunny outside, we don't necessarily go, wow, God must have been in that. And so to help us to learn to do that, to help us, inspire us to do that over these four weeks, what we're going to do is look at four different writings of the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul used to be called Saul. And when he was still called Saul, he he was a persecutor of Christians. That was his job. That was his whole goal. He killed them. He wanted to wipe them out. But then he met Jesus, and his life transformed. And Paul started churches, and, and he built those churches up, and then he would move on, and he would start more churches and build them up and he would move on, and he would write letters back to the churches that he had left behind. And they became a significant portion of the New Testament. And in those letters, what you find are prayers, pretty often. Prayers that he was praying specifically for those churches. And he had somewhat of a formula for how he prayed for them, where he would say, I pray, and then he'd say what he's praying for them. And then he'd say, so that... And he'd explain what the purpose of those prayers were. And he kind of keeps to this formula, I pray for this so that this will happen. And I think we could use some of that in our prayer lives. God, for this reason, I ask you to do this so that this will happen in the world or in the life of this person that I love. Specific requests, specific reasons behind them. And so the first prayer we'll look at uh, this week is found in Ephesians. And what's important for us to understand is that Paul wrote this prayer um, around the year 60 AD, and he wrote it from prison, where he was incarcerated. And so he's in prison, he's able to write these letters and and get them sent, and he's writing it to the church in Ephesus. This will be in Ephesians chapter 3, this is in your bulletin and also on the screen, beginning of verse 14. He writes this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, when we pray, it's important that we understand that posture doesn't necessarily matter that much. You can pray however you feel comfortable praying, standing up, sitting down, while driving. My only request is if you're going to pray while driving, you keep your eyes open. Remember, Jesus said watch and pray, so please, please keep your eyes open. But you can kneel, you can pray laying down. You can, it doesn't matter. Nowhere in Scripture does it say this is the posture that you're supposed to take to pray. Now, coincidentally, in Paul's day, it was most common for a Jewish man to pray standing with his palms lifted toward the sky. It's open before God. And yet here, what we see is Paul choosing to kneel before God. Honestly, there's, there's probably something healthy about varying our posture when we pray. You know, I talked about the fact that I get distracted when I pray. My guess is that gets worse if I always sit and pray, or if I always kneel and pray, if it's always the same Way, I'm probably more likely to get distracted. We don't always have to pray in the same place and in the same posture in the same way. But there's something about kneeling that expresses reverence and worship. And there are some prayers we pray that that posture will just seem appropriate. It's not always necessarily the right posture or the only right posture, so don't get caught up in that kind of detail, but Paul kneels here and he prays. In verse 16, I pray, that out of the glorious riches, of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. Paul acknowledges here that God has everything we could ever need. And that out of those glorious riches, and I do love that terminology there, that, that he'd see fit to give to the church at Ephesus what Paul is asking for them. Paul acknowledges that God has all they could ever need, and he says, out of those glorious riches, please do this for the church in Ephesus. It's crazy that we acknowledge that we serve an infinitely spiritually rich God, but we so often pray like we're spiritually poor children. God has everything we could ever need, and it's clear to me from Scripture that God wants to give us those blessings, but we pray such small and general prayers. In another one of Paul's letters to the Philippian church, he writes this in Philippians 4.19, he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God isn't hoarding all of the glorious riches for himself, but we have to ask for God's blessing. And what Paul specifically, specifically asks for is for them to be strengthened with power. <laughs> and we might not fully understand what that means at first reading. But in the Greek, that word for power is dunamis. And it's the word that we actually get the word dynamite from. Which is actually pretty cool if you think about it. What we're talking about here is the explosive, miraculous power of God. Not to be confused with human power. This is God's power. Human power does not compare to God's power. And God's power is actually available to us. Because even though sometimes we forget it, we are so weak without God. Without his power in us and in our corner, we are so weak, and yet it doesn't matter because God makes his power available to us. We have to recognize that it's there. A pastor tells a story of of he and his family buying their first home, and it was what they could afford at the time, and they had a lot of love but not a lot of money. And so when things broke, typically they would just leave them broke. Some of you have some of those things in your house, that thing that's never worked or that thing that quit working a few years ago and you just never fixed it and you just understand that's how how it works. And so eventually they came to the point where they were ready to to sell the house and move into another house and and the realtor came and asked that question that they always ask, you know, is there anything you need to disclose that does not work? Because you want to be honest about that. And so he begins to list off quite a list of things that didn't work. And the pastor got to the living room, and he pointed to an outlet near their their television. He said, that outlet doesn't work, and it never has. And the realtor said, well, then how do you watch TV? He said, well, we have an extension cord that when nobody's here, we run the extension cord into the kitchen, and we unplug the fridge just long enough to be able to watch TV for a little while. The realtor kind of looks looks at him like he's a little crazy and points to the wall next to the, the outlet there and says, well, what does this light switch here do? And the pastor said, yeah, we've never figured that out either. That one, that one doesn't work anything. And of course, if, if you have any switches like this in your house, you know that that light switch works that outlet, and it, it worked all along. See, all that time, one little switch, all the power was available to them, and they never used it. They didn't have to run the extension cord into the kitchen. But the truth is it's the same for us with God. His power is available to us, but so often we don't tap into it we aren't willing to ask for it. And so that's what Paul prays for these people at the church in Ephesus, for God's power in them. Verse 17 continues with the, the so that that we talked about. Pray for this so that. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, if you break these verses down, there's a question that comes up. Why would you need God's power to understand God's love? That seems a little strange. The truth is, it's because it surpasses the limits of human knowledge and understanding. The love of God is not fully understandable to us in a human way which is pretty cool if you think about it. And at the same time, it's crazy. You cannot naturally understand God's love. You can only understand it to our own limits. To understand the fullness of God's love, it must be supernaturally revealed. Our limited minds don't have the capacity on our own to understand how much God loves us. I think that's awesome. That's a good reason for Parents to pray this prayer for their children, that God would give them the power to understand just how much He loves them. This is a a good prayer for for husbands to pray for their wives and wives to pray for their husbands, that that God would give them the power to understand just how much the creator of the universe loves them. It's a great prayer to pray for, for your siblings, for your for your parents, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. It's a great prayer to pray for anybody that doesn't understand already that hasn't, hasn't had that revealed to them, that God would give them the ability to understand His love. Because it should be our desire for everyone to truly understand the love of God, only possible through His power. You see, with God, love is not what He does. Love is who He is. It's the essence of our God. And if you read through Scripture, there really is a limit to what we understand about God. Throughout Scripture, when God is described, He's, he's described... With, with these human terms, the hand of God, or the, God turned His face away. We, we read things like that. The reason that's what's written in Scripture is because the writers, that, that was the extent of their knowledge. They had to put human terminology on an indescribable God. It was the only way we could get close to that. God is love, and if we can recognize that, then we understand that there's nothing... That we can do to, to cause him to love us more, and there's nothing we can do to cause him to love us less. That he doesn't love us because of what we do, but that he loves us because of who he is. And to truly understand that takes his power, because so often what we're going to do is we're going every time we mess up we're going to think God's probably mad at me, God's probably upset with me, God, and, and we we trick ourselves into believing that God's love is variable. God's love is not variable. Not. The truth is, He's willing to give us the power to understand that and remember that, to not fall into that trap, and yet we so often don't ask for that power. But we can and we should. We should be asking God to show us who He is. And when we understand that and pray for that and God responds, it's like suddenly Christianity isn't just something we do on Sunday, it's the essence of who we are and what we're called to be. I'm a Jesus follower, and I have the power of God in me, and so that Jesus just bursts out of me to everyone I meet. Suddenly I'm not living for the things of the world, but for things that honestly require the power of God to pursue. And it shows up in different ways. People who have figured this out, it shows up in different ways. Have you ever met someone who seems to have peace no matter the storm? I am super jealous of those people. I'll admit that to you. Because when, when things get rough, I, I don't, I don't always, I'm not always able to, to feel God's peace in those moments, but I've met people who it doesn't seem to matter how awful things are around them, what, what's crashing down around them, they still have peace. I firmly believe that those people have tapped in to the power of God. There's no other explanation. They flip the switch, if you will. They understand how how much God loves them, and in the face of this temporary place and all that it brings, understanding the heights of God's love for them gives them that peace. Have you ever met someone whose first response in any tough situation was was to pray and to worship? And you're going, how can that be your first response? My first response is to freak out. Or my first response is to try to fix it myself. The truth is, they, they... almost certainly have the power of God. They flip the switch. And because of that, they understand how much God loves them. And in the face of that, nothing seems as crazy. You could ask that person to describe this power. You could ask that person to describe how much God loves them. But instead, we should be praying for God to show us those same things. It's like when someone asked the famous trumpet player Louis Armstrong to explain jazz. They said, can you, can you just explain jazz to me? I don't really understand it. And he said this, he said, if you've got to explain it, you ain't got it. It's Not something that can be cons- explained in words, it's something you have to experience. And it's the same with the love of God. If you try to explain it, it's probably true that you haven't fully experienced it. Charles Finney, uh, an evangelist in the 1800s, was a follower of Jesus, but then he had a, a deeper spiritual encounter with God. And here's how he described it. He said this, he said, "'The Holy Spirit descended on me "'in a manner that seemed to go through me, "'body and soul, "'and I could feel the impression "'like a wave of electricity going through and through me. "'Indeed, it seemed to come in waves "'and waves of liquid love, "'for I could not express it any other way.' It seemed like the very breath of God. You know what's usually true of of imagery-heavy, vivid descriptions like that? It's usually the best we can do as humans to describe something that's truly beyond human words, but we try anyway. We need to understand and experience God's love. That's something we need. I want that for you. I want that for myself and really everyone. So we need to be willing to pray for that in our own lives and the lives of people around us. If we believe that God's power is available for us and that, that in that power we can fully understand the love of God, we absolutely should be praying that kind of a prayer. Paul actually closes his prayer by by reaffirming that belief himself. He says this in verse 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God's love is beyond our human understanding but he wants us to understand it anyway, and he makes that possible. We need to ask for that. We need to ask him for for specific things, not be afraid to ask him for big things, to believe that God holds the power that we need. We need to flip the switch. We need to tap into the source to realize that it's there. What, What have we neglected to ask God for? What in our life have we tried to deal with on our own? and not ask God to help with, what, what in our lives have we, have we tried to just forget, or bury, or, or get past, and, and, and we've never said, God, clearly you can deal with this better than I ever could. Those are the kinds of things we need to be bringing to God, because His power is unmatched. But Most importantly, His power shows to us the height and the depth, and, and every way you can describe it, of His love for us. I want to know that. I hope you do too. Let's pray. God, so often we, we don't ask for enough and we, we pray for the same things and, and, and every single day. And I know that I'm guilty of this, but God, I pray that you would help us to not just pray the same old prayers. God, if there's something that we want to see in our own lives or in the life of someone else, if there's something we want to see you do in the world, I pray that we wouldn't ever consider a prayer too big to pray, but instead that we would know that there's nothing that's impossible for you, that we would believe that and pray that way. And I pray that you would move in each one of our hearts to help us to better understand your love for us, Because in the face of that love, when we truly come to understand that love, I believe that it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we view this world. It changes the way that we view the lost. It changes the way that we view those in need. It doesn't just change the way we see all those things. It changes the way that we live. Help us to see that love and understand your love for us. And God, as we move into a time of communion, I pray that we would never lose focus what you did for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. That gives us the hope that we need, and we're thankful for that. So help us to focus on that during this time. In Jesus' name, I pray.